Welcome back to another episode of All Things Red. On today's show, I have someone that I've been trying to get on here for a while, but she's so damn busy uh, <laughs> being a boss and doing her thing. I have Emily B- Bowman, the founder and CEO of Braid Babes, Buffalo Braid Babes, which started three years ago um, as a mobile business, and it's expanded ever since then. And the funny thing is, is that this whole business started based on a book that Emily never actually opened or even read. So with that, Emily, how are we? Hi. Okay. Yeah. I'm so glad we're finally doing this. (laughs) Yeah. I've been, I know ever since I, well, before I even started the podcast, I remember I hit you up and was like, Hey, I'm thinking about doing a podcast. Would you come on? And you're like, yeah, but just when it's actually up and running, hit me back because I'm so busy that like, no offense, I can't even like prioritize that at the moment. So once it's going, shoot me a date, we'll figure it out. So Glad I finally got you on. Yeah, exactly. Whenever you hit me up recently, it was like dead middle of launching Nashville. And I was like, oh, no. <laughs> of course. So, um, you know, getting right into it, you and I uh, actually met when we were working together at Soho. Um, I was a bar back. You were a bartender. Um and you you know once we got talking and stuff like that you met because I I asked you like not out of like picking on you but just kind of like I was just like why do you rock the craziest braids and like the craziest color hair (laughs) and and then that's when you kind of like went into like the the whole braid babes and like what your vision was for your like your business and stuff like that so um you know getting right into it could you talk a little bit about like what your experience was as a bartender at Soho and if there's like anything that you learned from that experience that's like helped um, get you to where you are with your business? Yeah, yeah, so much. So like, first of all, I, I got the job at Soho when I was kind of going through this transition from, you know, full-time job working behind a desk to uh, braiding. That's like a really tough transition financially. And I still had all of my bills to pay. I had two dogs that I had to buy food for. Uh, so I needed something to kind of fill in the gaps. Uh, and that is why I ended up at Soho. I kind of needed the, the extra money and like kind of that like flexible schedule. Uh, there's, there's definitely a few lessons that I learned in there. I think one of the biggest ones was, um, okay. Number one is like, stay focused. Like anytime you have a side job, you got to remember why you're there. Uh, Soho had this way of trying to pull you into like this drama that could easily like side rail you. So like my first thing is anytime we're doing a side gig, like remember why you're there and like remind yourself why you're, <laughs> why you're there. There was so much drama that constantly like even when you try to stay out of it, you'll still get pulled into it. So like you have to stay focused. Um, the other thing is like when you're picking a side gig uh, to for just the money, yeah, you have to like make sure that it really fits with with your schedule because the craziest thing happened. So, you know, I was only working Friday and Saturday nights at Soho and I was doing braid appointments and there came a day when I was up until 6 a.m. closing the bar out, as you know, because we were on Chippewa. So, mm-hmm. so, you know, there was all the time we wouldn't get home until 6 a.m. And then I would set my alarm for about 10 a.m. for braid appointments for, for Saturday. And the one day, I guess, I, I just totally forgot to set my alarm. And so I woke up at 11.30, totally had missed my my 10.30 braid appointment. And at that point, like, I knew braiding was, like, that was the thing that I was doing and focusing on. 
And so I put my two weeks in at Soho that day. So that's where I said, like, you got to find the thing that matches up right. Because the craziest thing happened when I left Soho, my braiding instantly the next week was 5x the amount of appointments. Because I didn't realize that those mornings that I was blocking off until 10 or 11 or 12, even one sometimes so that I could sleep was actually when everyone wanted their braid appointments. Everyone wants their braid appointments on Saturday or Sunday morning so that they can have them for, for the day and for the weekend. So it was, it was pretty crazy. And, uh, you know, when I left Soho, the owner, he was like, yeah, like, you know, you're never going to make this much money as a braiding as you could as a, as a bartender. And so I love like looking back on that and just kind of laughing a little bit of like, who, who knew? I mean, I didn't even know at the time that you could make money braiding, <laughs> just braiding. Well, I want to, yeah. And that's funny. Cause I remember when that happened, um, I remember you told it to me and I was like, Oh, I'm so mad. <laughs> Cause I, I hate that type <laughs> of shit. But so like you were working, like, what was your, like, let's, let's rewind all the way. Like when you were going, when you were in college, what, what was your major? Like, what did yeah. you Yeah. Oh my gosh. I bounced all around. I ended up in with, with a bachelor in general math, which is like the silliest thing. Um, actually I shouldn't say it's silly in case anyone else has it, but, um, I actually started at like, uh, chemical engineering and then I, switched schools a couple of times, went to RIT, went to Long Island. I was like exploring and trying all different things. And so eventually I hit a point where the the chemical engineering at UB was not sticking. Like I was always one of those smart high school students and I'm like studying the book. I'm really trying to understand chemical engineering and it was not sticking. Didn't matter what I did, was not getting it. So I just went to the advisor and I was like, okay, um, what degree can I get the heck out of here with and he was like okay you only need like four more classes and you can have a general math degree and so that's that's what I did um and then on that note of like college I think I think the degree was was helpful in my life but you know I don't know how how far you want to go into that but I'm I'm actually not a huge uh proponent of of college actually (laughs) Yeah, yeah, neither am I, but we'll we'll get into that in a little bit. Um, I'm just curious because I like hearing uh, like the origin stories and like where to, because I know me and you in private conversations, uh, one of the times we grabbed coffee, we were discussing like business ideas and stuff. And I told you that it's kind of crazy how like everything stems from an idea. Like, obviously, like when the owner of Soho wanted Soho to be Soho, he had the idea behind it and then he brought it to light, kind of like how you brought your braid business to light. But where did you first get like where did you get the idea of like okay I'm gonna I like braiding I'm gonna do braiding and I'm gonna turn it into a business and it's kind of crazy because I so like from knowing you it wasn't like you said it wasn't really like as big as it is now so like just over the years I've seen like how big it's exploded so where did you first come up with the idea of I'm going to braid hair for a living and I'm going to turn it into a business. And then to go off that, um, where did you get the confidence to do that? Because I remember when you first told me that you have a braiding business, I'm like, Oh, okay. Yeah. Like that makes sense. Like a lot of people, they have bachelorette parties, there's, there's weddings, there's so many different things that you can braid your hair with. But then when you were like, I'm going to make this a full-time business, I wasn't hating. I was just like, wow, (laughs) I've never heard, I've never heard that before. Like I'm, I'm, I'm about that, but I'm interested. So like, where did you, you know, again, get the original idea to execute on it? And then how did you have that confidence to be like, I'm gonna make this happen? 
Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. It was like those two things. It was like a year long process, which is wild. So basically uh, my, if I'm going way back, my first business idea was actually a dog cafe. So that's like my fun fact. It was going to be called tea pups. Like, you know, get your tea with your dog. Um, and, and I ended up not following through with that idea mostly because I didn't have thousands of dollars to open a dog cafe. Uh, and so what I did is I hired a career coach because like I said, during all this, I was working a nine to five in like technology and I was feeling a little bit lost once I decided not to do tea pups. Like I just really felt like, I, like I wanted to do more than, you know, clock in and out at my nine to five. Um, I always just thought that I would do something bigger with my, with my life and kind of like a little bit more meaningful again, not hating on anyone that's doing the nine to five, because there's a lot of great things about nine to five, such as paid time off, vacations, weekends off, where you can actually close your computer and walk away. So not hating on that life, but it wasn't the life that I had always pictured for myself. Uh, And so I got this career coach. um, And, and this whole like weird process that all just weirdly lined up at the same time. So basically, the career coach is telling me try new things. I'm trying all different things. The career coach is also having me take coffees with with other people that um, are doing the careers that I think I want to do. And at the time, I was like, oh, marketing seems fun. I liked marketing the dog cafe when I was working on that project. So I met with these people in marketing. Um, So two things happened simultaneously. One of those coffees led to a contractor role um, at at another company. So it was more of like a a 20-hour-a-week role instead of a full-time role. And then at the same time, before that role started, about exactly two weeks before that role started, so I just put in the two weeks at my job, I kind of, you know, when you're in between jobs, you have more like mental space. So yeah, I, I had this extra time in between my, my two jobs. I had these two weeks. And so I was like trying new things and I had this braid book under my bed. So I pulled it out. And like you said, I never even opened it because I was like, hey, this woman definitely, it's 2018, she's got an Instagram. So I watched her stories and sure enough, uh, she said in five days, she was starting a braid challenge. It's just so weird how it all worked out. Like I just happened to go on her Instagram and in five days, uh, she was starting a braid challenge. So I did this braid challenge for every day. I did a different braid in my hair. And so for my last two weeks at my day job, I was like asking my coworkers to go to go up on the roof at the at the at the the building and take photos of my braids. It was so funny. Um, and then I had my um, my contractor position, so I had more time to like braid since that was only a 20, 20 hour a week roll. So it was kind of like this like halfway point. That's what I mean. Like two these two things just happened at the same time. I had this new contractor role, so I had more time, and I just happened to pick up this new hobby of braiding. So all of a sudden, my friends started asking me to braid their hair. I went on this one camping trip and every girl there lined up for me to braid her hair. And that's the day I changed my Instagram to Buffalo braid babe, which felt like so funny at the time. But, uh, and then, and then by the end of the end of the challenge, the, this clothing boutique blush blush boutique asked me to braid at their grand opening. Uh, so that was my first time braiding people that I don't know. And from that, a couple of them asked me to braid their hair the next weekend. So naturally, I charged them because I didn't know them. I wasn't going to, you know, drive to their house and braid their hair for free. So like naturally, it kind of turned into this thing that I was charging for. And I added to my Instagram bio, like, hey, DM me for a braid. 
and it started growing. Then I kind of hit this pivot point where like, I wasn't sure if I was going to like be a braid influencer, like the, the woman who was doing the braid challenge and kind of do like these challenges online and kind of represent a couple brands or if I wanted to grow it into a business, but naturally with this, with the way this business goes and the way it grows, I actually haven't had to make too many big decisions because the universe kind of makes them for me. Naturally, the influencer stuff wasn't growing as quickly as the the physical braid appointments were growing. Uh, so I don't know if you want me to like keep going from there. The story keeps going for no, yeah, keep, <laughs> yeah, keep going. All right, cool. So like I said, I, I still wasn't sure. Like, okay, influencer business. Clearly, the appointments were growing. I was getting pretty booked up. One day in May of 2019, I, I'm braiding. Again, it's, it's just me by myself, no employees, just braiding hair. So this one clothing boutique called Half and Half on Elmwood in Buffalo, they hired me to do a braid bar just like Blush Boutique had. So basically, I'm braiding their customers for free. And just a couple minutes into the braid bar, I'm like adding up all the all the people on the wait list and the wait list is full. It's done. So the owner actually comes up to me because I had to cut the list off and she's like, hey, um, my one employee actually is a really great braider. She could help you. And I'm like, okay, what do I have to lose if she does really bad? Like the person who hired me to be here literally said that I should put her on it. So she can't be mad at me if these braids don't turn out good. So I, I pull on her employee and I, I'm guessing that um, the, the owner of Half and Half is a little upset looking back because I stole her employee. Her employee, Jess, did amazing. Every braid was beautiful, great work. She just kind of looked at me and followed my lead of everything I did. And so that's how I hired my first employee. By the end of the braid bar, I was like, hey, so like, do you want a job? And then, and then it just kept growing from there. We put on her schedule. I kind of told her like, Hey, look, I've never, I've never even been a manager or a team lead or any kind of leadership role in my life. So uh, let's just roll with the punches. If you can be patient with me and I'll be patient with you. Uh, her calendar filled up immediately. So we were both fully booked. So I think it was literally one week into her working for braid babes. We were like, uh, we need to hire someone else. And that's uh, what led to us hiring Tori. And Tori now is still with us today, which is really cool. So Tori's been with us a little over two years. So since since it was like May of, yeah, 2019. Now, how big is uh, your team now? How many people do you have? Yeah, uh, we have 20 braiders across three cities. Okay, and, I was right. <laughs> yeah, and then admin staff, I don't know, probably like like five at like behind the scenes staff. Yeah, because I was talking to my buddy today because uh, he just moved to New York, in New York City, and he was asking me who I was doing an episode with. He was like, anyone I know? I'm like, no. And I was telling him who you were. And he's like, how many employees does she have? And I said 20. He's like, holy shit, that's a lot of people. <laughs> I'm like, I think that's what it is, but I- I'm not 100% sure. I just thought, like, I remember you telling me the one time that's the amount, but I wasn't sure. So I'm glad I was right on that. Um, but going off your story of what you were saying, how did you – how did you, I know you hired a girl and you were like, bear with me. This is going to be a learning process for both of us. How did you, what did you do next to get the business off the ground and make it official? Uh, good question. I think, I think the biggest thing was just like a booking system. Mm-hmm. Uh, so at that point I did, I was using Calendly at first. 
which is like the same link I sent to you for this. I was like, hey, just like look at my calendar and like see what times work. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was just using Calendly. And then uh, by, by the, about the time I brought Jess on, we started doing appointments through an actual website. And I think that was just the, the biggest, biggest step of having like an official smooth running business is just your, having your system in place. Um, like having a booking system with reminders where they're paying and there's like, you know, cancellation policies and reminder emails, reminder texts and calendars. I think that's, that's the, the biggest thing to keep things running smoothly. <laughs> Did you, and now did you, once you started doing this, did you, uh, I know you said you had a career coach. Did you, you know, have any, I would say business mentors or anyone that like, cause like you said, you've never been in a management role. You've never been in a position where you were quote unquote a leader, but at the same time, you kind of were doing things trial by error, trial by error, throwing shit at a wall, seeing what sticks, what doesn't. Um, did you have anyone to lean on that was kind of like your mentor from like a business aspect that kind of like gave you proper guidance at all? Or was this just strictly like 100% organic seeing what works? Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, I kind of equate it to like, um, there's this book when you read when you're little, I think it was like a duck or something and he, lo- he loses his mom. Do you remember? It's, and he goes around, he's like, are you my mom? Are you my mom? Uh, and he asks like a cow and a, a whatever, like, that was basically me in the beginning. It was like any business I went to, I remember going into a pizzeria on main street and I was like, so what's it like, like owning a business? What, what do you do? How do you hire employees? How do you do anything? It was just a lot of that. Basically just every business I walked into, it was like, how do you do this? What do you do? Blah, blah, blah. Um, and then that kind of led to a couple of relationships that then they stuck as mentors. Um, so it was in the beginning, it was just a lot of like networking, talking to people, basically, if I knew they owned a business, then I was asking them questions. I remember even like I used to work at a biker bar and then when I would get stuck on something, I'd call Brit and I'd be like, Hey, like, like we're not even friends. Like she doesn't even know me. And I'm like, Hey, I'm like stuck on this business problem. But like, but business owners, I think also appreciate that. Like if someone were to call me today and say like, Hey, I'm stuck on this problem and I'm guessing you've faced this before. Like I would be probably really flattered. So that's a lot of what I found is like, Buffalo was like really excited to to help me and give me advice. So um, I've kind of turned my way through different mentors at different stages. So mm-hmm. my mentor, my mentors in year one were completely different than my mentors today. I have three solid mentors that I talk to every single week. We have like weekly meetings. Um, one I meet with three times a week. <laughs> we just have like a morning catch up call. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I think your mentors kind of you know, you have to kind of cycle or grow your mentors with you, but definitely they were like the biggest part of growing my business for sure. Absolutely. And I definitely think, um, I, I definitely think that without, without mentors or like, have, it's almost like, like how you had that career coach. It's like having a coach and yeah. you know, like I, I know from like lacrosse, like I've had coaches where, I'm like, all right, like, I know I'm the player, but like, what the fuck? Like, I don't, I don't really see the point in like the benefit from you coaching me, not from like, a, I know what I'm talking about, but it's like, I don't see as though how I can improve by having you as my coach, which is a very arrogant thing to say, but like, you understand where I'm coming from with that statement. Whereas you get other coaches um, that you're like, holy fuck, like being, oh with yeah, this guy, yeah. Absolutely. It's just different stages. Like, uh, even my mentor right now, like he tells me every day, the one that I meet with three days a week, 
he's like, you're going to outgrow me. You're going to need a bigger mentor. You're going to need this and that. But we still keep finding different topics that he can help me on. Like when I bring different problems to him, but yeah. And like, I think that's something that mentors even understand, like they can help you get to a certain level. And then when you level up, you're probably going to need that next mentor. So like right now I'm actually like looking for, for new mentors and I'm looking for the people that have like scaled businesses nationally. I don't have those mentors right now. So that's something I'm definitely working on. (laughs) And I'm in the same boat too. And it's funny you say that because two of the mentors I have, they tell me all the time is they're like, you know, in two to three years from now, if you're still getting advice from me, you haven't grown at all. I'm I'm always, I'm always like, well, what do you mean? And they're like, because you're supposed to get to a point where you outgrow me or you get to a point where you're just as good, if not better than me. And I was I, like, I never heard that before prior to like a couple months ago. And it like obviously changed my perspective on a lot of things, but it's, yeah. it's interesting that you've, you've gotten the same advice. Oh, now, yeah. now one thing I want to ask you, because for me, I, the reason that, and again, nothing against nine to fives, but the reason that for me, I've done the things that I've done and wanted to be in business is because I've always wanted to have financial freedom. And I know that, which I will do. And I know that you can get that, you can get there through the nine to five route. A lot of people do it that way. But for me, it was more than just the money aspect. It was like the freedom aspect of like, okay, I'm in control. I, you know, I'm, you know, if business happens, it's because of me, I'm able to have the freedom of like, I was talking to my buddy earlier, that last week, I didn't have much going on. until probably like one or two. So I went golfing with my uncle on a Monday. And it's like, I can do that because I make my own schedule and I do my own thing. So for me, it's and I know you know this, that when you get in the business for yourself, and you know, you are the CEO of your company. And when you are in that position, you essentially are taking a risk on yourself, you're saying, I'm going to bet on me. And this is what's going to happen. So kind of going back to like, I was asking you about the confidence thing. Did you I know you're super close with your dad? Did you like lean on your parents or any friends for uh, the confidence or the, I would say the momentum to pull the trigger and be like, this is what I'm going to do? Or did you always know that getting into business for yourself and you know, being your own boss was something that like you ultimately wanted? Yeah, oh my gosh, there's so much there. So first, I'll say, uh, I, I, I did always know that I wanted to do more. I didn't know that it like was necessarily a business, but what I will say is like when I was working a nine to five, I just had this feeling of like, like being defeated where I, I remember like driving to my nine to five and thinking like, oh wow, like this really is like my life path now. Like this is it. You know what I mean? Like you kind of see all of your, your dreams that you had when you were younger about doing something like really, really cool you're like, okay, like that didn't happen. I guess, I guess this is my, my life. And I have those thoughts a lot, like every day. And, and again, like different people have different goals. So like, if your goals are more like family and fun, then like nine to five, great. But I have these like big dreams all growing up of like doing something just like cool and different and, you know, being something. Um, So I didn't know it was business, but I, I think I was motivated by the the reverse of just, you know, going to the nine to five and that just being my life and all that I kind of um, did with my life. And then as far as like getting confidence from others, I would actually say it's like the complete opposite. Um, kind of like you said, like when I was like, when I was talking to you and I was like, yeah, I'm going to, 
I'm going to turn this braid business into a big thing and I'm going to have like employees and maybe it can be in different states. And in your head, you were like, okay, cool. That sounds great. But like, you probably were having those thoughts of like, yeah, okay. Like, believe it when I see it. And no, that, and- not at all. Not that <laughs> off, but not at all. And I'm not even saying that to appease you or anything. I'm being a hundred percent serious. Not at all because, and we'll get into this when we get talk about the college, which I don't, I don't know how else to say this. So if I comes across wrong, I don't mean to ruffle anyone's feathers, but I think that a lot of people settle for the life that they have because they're scared to actually try to do something because they're scared of fuck what if it fails and I have bills to pay and I have this but in the flip side of it um the same people that are like I don't want to work a nine-to-five I want to be my own boss I want to do my own thing it's like okay well what are you doing when you're not at work oh you're getting fucked up on the weekend so no you're just talking (laughs) shit so it's and like to your point it's like I have met a lot of people that have um, their own business doing the most outrageous shit that I am like, okay, I don't even understand how that's a business and where you got your idea from. So when you told me, I wasn't like, okay, yeah, I believed you because it was something that I've never heard before. And usually when I hear people say things I've never heard before, I, I buy into it and I'm like, okay, well, let's see where this goes. Cause I definitely believe that you can do it. I just, I'm not like, yeah, yeah, you could do it. You, you because more times than not, if someone says that, you don't know if they're being genuine or not. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. I mean, my point is like, I I love that you think that way, but I think that like very, very few people think that way. I think most people, when I was like, Hey, yeah, I'm going to create a business just braiding hair. Uh, the, the feedback I would get was like, just braids. Why, why just braids or, um, can't you go back and get your nine to five? Like, especially when braiding wasn't, getting giving me enough to pay my bills that's when I got a lot of comments of like okay well like maybe you could go apply back to your nine to five like maybe they'll take you back is like what the people around me were saying so I actually learned to 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 keep my ideas to myself and and not and just not share them you know and and you have to kind of learn who you can and who you can't share your ideas with and um unfortunately I can't share my ideas with my family because they just, they don't, they don't get it. You know, they think, oh, a successful career is, is a nine to five. And my family's very, very supportive. Don't get me wrong, but they need to see it before they're going to believe it. If you have someone in your life, like John, who is going to be like, oh yeah, like go get it. I totally believe in you. Like that sounds really cool. Then, then share your ideas with him. But you know, if you also have the mom who's going to be like, oh, I don't think that's going to work. You should get back to your nine to five then uh, don't don't share your ideas with that person in the first place is my <laughs> my advice. Yeah. And I believe that that comes out of fear. I don't think that comes out of anything else other than fear, because it's like, I don't understand how you, I, I wouldn't be able to do that. Like, it's like, um, it was, it was one of the interviews that I sent you that I saw. It was a podcast that Jay-Z was on. And he was saying how, when he was younger, he, his uncle was telling him like, how are you going to sell a million records? And he's just like, I sold a million records like a million times. Like he <laughs> goes, but that wasn't him saying he, that wasn't him shooting me down. It was just that he, it was his own fears and insecurities that didn't allow him to see how it'd be possible for him. And seeing as though he's older than me, he didn't understand. And he has more years of life experience. He didn't understand how, I would be able to do that. And so he wasn't dismissing me. He was just like, come on, like, I don't, why do you think that you, cause you know how it works, your environment, 
even if they're your best friends, no one believes that you can do something that they cannot do themselves. Yeah, yeah. I think the best way I heard it put was like, they're not in your shoes. So like, for example, with braiding, I'm on Instagram, I'm getting, there was a point where I was getting like 100 DMs a day about this braid business. And it's like, my mom's not seeing that my dad's not seeing that. So I'm seeing this opportunity, but like, they're not understanding because they're not in my shoes. So so yeah, I, I just kept pushing through without really telling anyone what the heck my plans were. I was just going to work at Soho and then braiding hair and building what I could, you know? Yeah, I completely agree with you because besides I have, I'm trying to think out of, there's probably of my, and I'm not even going to name the names, but like of my best friends, there's probably three that when I tell them, they're just like, why are you telling me? Because they already believe in what I can and can't do. And not like, they're more so like, okay, I don't know why you're telling me because I believe you anyways. Whereas I have other friends that are like, well, yeah, but how's that going to work when you get a girlfriend? How's that going to work when you have kids? How's that going to work with this? Like, oh, um, you're, you know, you're not going to be able to just work for yourself forever or it's up. And I always found that like kind of going back to the family aspect, like I've always found that you are essentially like a product of your environment in the sense that like if everyone in your family and all your friends are working nine to fives, then you essentially are going to work, end up working a nine to five too, because it's like, it's almost what I like to say, exposure awareness. Like you're the first girl I've ever met that uh, has a braiding business. So I now know if like another, another friend or, you know, my cousin, that's a girl or something was like, I want to get into braiding. I'm like, okay, well, I'm gonna hit you with my friend Emily, because maybe you two, maybe she might be able to give you some advice and stuff like that. So I always found that, and it's almost like a lot of like my first school I went to, there was a lot of very well off families, like summers in the Hamptons, Miami yacht type money. And it was funny because their dads, their dads would be in, you know, real estate or running a company or something like that. And then the mom was doing something of that sort. And it's like the kid would follow that path too. But to the kid, it was like the nine to five ain't for me because I'm surrounded by business people that I'm going into business myself. So um, where would you say for anyone that has an idea of like how to, I know we were talking on mentors and stuff like that, but for anyone that's listening that has an idea or is like, you know, I'm currently working a nine to five so I could save and then I can start my own business. What would be your advice for that process from bringing an idea that's in your head into reality and then turning it into a profitable idea like you have? Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, like you said, the mentorship, I think that's the number one. Definitely every single step I took in this business, I like consulted someone on. I was like, hey, what do we do? do?" And like we said earlier, like, yeah, there's coaches. You can pay them thousands of dollars. Um, I actually did have a coach in the beginning that I paid money to. Um, But I definitely think the most value I got was out of the mentors. Like I actually don't recommend the coach route. Um, Mentors are are free. They're there to just help you and guide you on what what they learned. Um, So like I think step one is literally start asking around. Look for for the networks and look for the people. So like shoot me a DM and say, hey, I'm looking to start this. What do do I do? What are first steps? What do you – so it's kind of based on your idea and based on your circumstance will determine – you know, your first steps, like, do you have money? Do you have a 401k? Do you, do you have no money and you have to like bootstrap it? Um, what kind of business is it that you need like a DBA or an LLC? Like, those are things that like, I can't sit here on this podcast and tell you your first steps because it depends on your financial 
standing and also um, your current career role and your business idea. And it just depends on so many things. And I think that's why mentors are important because no Google article is going to be able to tell you the steps you need to take because your scenario is going to be unique to you and your business idea. So I think DM the people around you that have businesses or look for the, the networks if you don't know people. Like mm-hmm. Buffalo has a startup network. Almost every city now has a, a startup network and you could get onto like the Slack channel and just start, go to the meetups or just message on Slack of, hey, I want to start this thing and I just need like some general advice. Buffalo also has, um, uh, I believe they call it open office time. And through that, there's a link and like, there's like, I think over a hundred people that have started businesses in the startup scene. And you can literally, it has their Calendly and you can literally just book time with them without permission. Like this link is gold. Like Dan Magnashevsky started ACB Auctions with with Joe and both of their links are in there. You can literally just book time with them on their calendar. So I think looking for those resources to like talk to people that started a business and like you can literally talk to someone for every step. Like you need to get an LLC or you need to hire an employee or you need an accountant. Like every single one of those steps I talk to a mentor for. <laughs> of course. And um, getting into, before we get into Nashville, we'll touch on the college aspect of it uh, real quick. We, you didn't go to business school, neither did I. But um, a lot of the mentors that I have and that you have as well, I don't know how you feel, but I feel as though a pr- you can't put a price tag on that information and that relationship. Yeah, you can't. But I also will say like, it's also really important to have a couple mentors. Like right now, I'll usually every decision, depending how big the decision is, I bring it to two, three or four mentors to get their different opinions, because also they call it mentor whiplash. And every mentor is going to tell you something completely different. And then you have to kind of use the knowledge that they told you to then make your decisions. Uh, Mm -hmm. So so that's that's definitely a big one. It's like ask, ask a couple of people. Yeah. And I heard, I heard, um, 50 cent say, I was listening to a podcast he was on and he was saying that if, um, everyone that went to business school was to become, would end up becoming successful, there'd be way too many successful people in this world. And he was basically talking about how, um, going to business. And I've heard a lot of entrepreneurs and very successful business people say it, but a lot of them, and I'm not, I'm not downplaying business school. I won't, I don't know. So I'm not going to be ignorant and talk on something I, I never experienced, right, right. but a lot of them have said that school essentially is nothing more than a social club and a network club. And that you really don't learn what you need to learn until you're actually in the trenches of business and you're in the real world. Yeah, yeah, I would definitely agree with that. Like, um, the amount of things that I've learned in my business so quickly, just because I had to because I'm surrounded by it is so high. But then also, yeah, like you said, like, even if school is just networking, there's also definitely a lot of value in in your network and who you know, half, I feel like half of building a business is like knowing the people to get you there or asking around enough to find to find the right people, you know? Mm hmm. Absolutely. And you were talking, you mentioned it earlier about you not being the biggest proponent or biggest fan of college. What is your entire take on college as a whole? Yeah. Okay. So again, like I, I went to college. So the same way that like you and I can't say like, don't go to business school because we didn't go to business. We don't really know. It's also like, I can't sit here and say, don't go to college 
because who's to say that I could I could have ended up with a business at this point if I hadn't gone to college like maybe my path took me through this path and if you had subtracted college from it who's to say that I could have still ended up here maybe this is the path I needed and college was needed in that path I don't know but what I can say is looking back college the skills I learned in college are not what helped me today the skills that are helping me today are all of my prior jobs put together. So I feel very confidently to say that if you go from high school to working jobs and learning as much as you can in every job that you work and talking to those people in your job, like, like don't just learn your job, like look around and learn the other people's jobs. Like, what are they doing? How does this business work? How is this business structured? How does this make sense? Um, and then you can take everything you learned in all of those jobs and how all those companies work. And like, I pull on that information all the time, everything I learned in my, in my day jobs definitely comes together to, to my current, my current business and what I do in it. Yeah, I completely agree. And for me, which I've mentioned before on this uh, podcast was it, I don't think when I like shit on college, I don't shit on it from like, you're not going to learn anything because I don't think had I not gone to college, I would be to where I am today and I wouldn't have the network that I have. Um, so college definitely was benefited me, but like where I, where I get off on the whole, I think college is bullshit is the economics of it. And the sense mm. of a lot of people go to, um, I can't even think what was I about to say. Oh, a lot of people go to grad school, they get their MBA or they get this. And then when they get out, they have all this debt and then they're not making like the, the, their student loan payments cripple them from being able to start saving for retirement or being able to, um, you know, live in a big city or something like that. So I always thought about it from the aspect of, okay, you really start learning what's right, what's wrong, what was bullshit and what wasn't from college once you hit the real world. Um, because in college, everyone's in the same type of environment. Everyone's thinking the same. There's one general thought. And everyone is being educated the same way in a sense, but the real world is not like that at all whatsoever. And for some kids that don't get scholarships or don't get grants, they, I know like one of my friends that went to law school, they have hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of debt. And for them, I like, I've always said like, Hey, like, did you ever think like maybe not going to college right away? Cause you could have mm-hmm. worked and you could have saved and all that. Um, and that's something that they're like, you know, looking back, I, I don't regret doing it, but that is definitely something that there needs to be more of a conversation on. Yeah. What you, yeah. What is your take on that? Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. Um, the only thing I'm unsure about in my path is uh, the way I got into my nine to fives was I started with an internship at independent mm-hmm. health. Uh-huh. And I believe I got that internship at independent health because the, the VP of analytics heard that I was in school to be a math major. And so then he was like, Hey, do you want an internship here? So like, Mm -hmm. you know, I also can't argue that like school definitely opens doors and would I have been able to get those nine to five jobs without a college degree? Honestly, probably not. So it's like, it opened the doors, but like, honestly, I didn't really need anything that I learned in college for that internship or for those jobs. So I feel like if you can like get some internships and get some cool experience without college, I think that's the way to go. Absolutely. I I completely agree with that as well. Now, you know, getting off college a little bit, talking about Nashville, um, you recently expanded into Nashville, correct? Yeah, yeah. So uh, 
April 1st is our official launch. <laughs> I don't know if you remember this or not, and I'm not taking credit for it. So, but <laughs> I remember when I was in Nashville for, where was I? I was in Nashville for my friend Grace's 21st, and then we went back for the Bills game two years ago. And I remember texting you and I said, hey, I have a good idea for you. Next time, I said, next time the Bills are in Tennessee, you should go down there and do like a little pop-up shop because when the Titans aren't playing, Nashville is nothing but like bachelorette party central. And so many people would love the braiding and all that down there that you could really blow it up. And you're like, yeah, that's not a bad idea. Like whatever. And then, <laughs> you know, I see that you go down to Nashville and you open up shop. So like, I was like, Oh fuck. Yes. So like <laughs> what, how did you pick Nashville and how did you decide to expand there when you could have expanded into pretty much any city? Yeah, I, I probably, you probably did play a part in it because I, a big part of like, how I make decisions in business, like looking back, it was a lot of like micro clues or micro hints. So like looking back, there was a lot of things like that. Like when you said that, or when my, my other friends went to Nashville, like similar things. So it was like a lot of different people here and there being like, Oh, Nashville would be cool. I had actually never been to Nashville until February of this year. So literally uh, we did, we started our soft launch uh, March 12th we literally started our soft launch three weeks after the first time I ever went to Nashville. First time I went to Nashville was this February. And I was like, holy cow, like Nashville's open. Like people are barely wearing masks. Like everything's open. There's bachelorettes. Everyone's traveling here. Like what am I waiting for? But back to the decision of Nashville, since you asked, uh, I actually, during quarantine, the first shutdown, obviously watched a lot of TV, like everyone. And one of the shows I got really into was Very Cavallari. Did you ever watch it? <laughs> no, I didn't. <laughs> I did she's, not. Okay. It's like, okay, she's she's married to, do you know her? Uh, Krista Cavallari. She's mar- she was married to Jay Cutler. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah, watched yeah. all those MTV shows she was on. Yeah, yeah. I actually didn't. But uh, Uncommon James is like her her newer show. It's discontinued now and she got a divorce. But whatever. That's sad. Anyways, she's the show's in Nashville, and she opened Uncommon James in Nashville. So I got really into watching Very Cavallari, the show. And there's, I think there was like three seasons of it. And I watched all three seasons a couple times because I really liked watching her run her business. Like it literally would show the behind the scenes. It would show her getting upset with her employees when things weren't done right. It would show how she handles all these different scenarios. So I felt like I was like really learning from watching her make her own mistakes and how she like handles her team and how she leads. Um, and so I, I really liked watching it. And of course the whole show took place in Nashville. And so I think that was just like a really big part of it too. I don't know. I think I just watched the show and I watched her store and I was like, Oh, it would be so cool to have a braid bar in her store. And then what's really, really cool. I don't know if you've seen, but we actually, have already had two braid bars in Uncommon James. So it was like, how freaking surreal that one year ago I was watching her show thinking, oh my gosh, I'd love to have a braid bar in Uncommon James, totally thinking it would honestly never happen. And a year later, we've had two braid bars in her store already. And like, they want us back. <laughs> have you had the Have you had the chance to meet her yet? No, no. Um, a friend texted me yesterday saying he saw her downtown um, in the Gulch, but I've I've not met her. She just opened up a store in Dallas, Texas, and so she's been there more launching that store. 
and they have a warehouse so she's at the warehouse more often in nashville than the store yeah and if you don't mind how can you talk a little bit about like how that even happened like how you were watching it and then you actually got into the store like what what did you do to get in if you can share I don't know oh yeah yeah uh so it's really funny when we picked Nashville in February at first I was like okay I'm just gonna buckle the heck down I'm gonna go to Nashville and I'm going to talk to store owners I'm gonna talk to people and I'm gonna build the community in Nashville I thought it had to be me And very quickly after like one week of trying to like build the relationships in Nashville, I was like, this is just too much. Like I'm trying to build this business, scale this business, run this business. I don't have time to like be boots on the ground talking to, you know, business owners and community people and trying to figure out who's who and what's what in Nashville in a Mm -hmm. city like I don't know anything about. And so I posted in our, we have a boot camp. That's how we train our braiders. Mm -hmm. Uh, so I posted in the boot camp. We had Nashville braiders going through this boot camp to to launch Nashville. So it was our training. I posted in there and was like, "Hey, we need someone to like launch the community in Nashville. Let's call it a community manager. I need a community manager in Nashville." And this one woman comes out and she's like, "That's me." She literally was like, "This is me. This has my name all over it. It's me." And she's definitely going to be like our role model community manager going forward. And she's gotten us braid bars. Like I said, two at uncommon James. She got us one at kittenish, which is owned by Jesse James Decker. She got us one at Draper James, which is owned by Reese Witherspoon. Uh, And then she's working on a couple other cool ones right now. Uh, So she's just been like so important to our scaling Nashville and the success of Nashville. It's been really cool. And do you, this is kind of like a side topic. I've never talked to you about this before. And I have friends that believe in this. And I have other friends that anytime I bring it up to them, they're like, John, please stop. I'm like, <laughs> you're not, you're not getting anywhere with me on this. But are you a believer in being able to manifest and bringing your thoughts into reality? And what I mean by that is um, I'm a firm believer that if, like you said, how you're like, oh, how cool would that be to, to be in her store? is I look at that and because obviously you did the hard work to get there. It wasn't like you, you know, clicked your heels like Dorothy and ended up in Kansas. It's not like you, you know, clicked your heels and you were in Uncommon James. Like you obviously did the the work and put in the effort to get yourself there. So what I mean by that is I believe in um, you're able to manifest things from the perspective of poking at the universe, whether like, like you were saying, like how, you know, the universe kind of guides you, um, you had that initial thought of, I want to, how cool would it be to be an uncommon James? That was you poking at the universe, putting that thought out there of, wow, I could see myself in that situation, even though you didn't fully believe it in the moment. And then rather than just being like, yeah, but it's, uh, that ain't for me. You obviously did the work and kept pushing and pushing and pushing. And then a year later, you're an uncommon James. So what is your thought on, you know, having ideas and then bringing, being able to bring them to light through the power of manifesta- manifestation, the law of attraction and like all that, even if you didn't know that's what you were doing, what is your thought on all that? Yeah, I've actually, it's funny because I've actually been like big on manifesting lately, but I think for like a different angle. So like, I don't know about the whole, like the whole like spirit and earth of manifesting, but I think there's something so big about uh, 
you literally picturing it in your mind. I think you, I think you have to be able to picture it before it's ever going to happen. Like if you never picture it and like believe that it could happen, then it's, then it's not going to happen. Because like you said, if I had doubts in my head that that would ever happen, that like, if I, if I was like, no, it's not going to happen, then that just ends the whole idea of it right there. But I think since I could like picture it and have this idea of it, then, then from there, the idea can grow and it can eventually happen. But I will say I, with my boyfriend lately, we manifest small things. Um, like my, my old, when I lived in Buffalo, just a couple weeks ago, we were on our way home and I was like, I was like, okay, listen, hear me out. Picture an empty parking spot in front of the house. Just picture it for me. And when we get there, it's going to be, we had like a car full of stuff. And sure enough, we get there and there's no parking spots except the exact spot in front of our house. And that never happens. Like we usually have to park like so far away. Um, so we've been manifesting like small things. So I'm super into it. And I think, I think the biggest way that manifesting works is starting with yourself and believing that, that you can do it and that it's possible. And, like having the idea and picturing it. And then obviously feeling it as well. It's not like you could just imagine something that comes to light. Like you got to actually, like for me, at least it's, I've been able to manifest a lot of things and it's always, I'm able to do it when I have the feeling of what it would feel like. So like one thing that uh, I'm putting out there right now is like, I'm going to manifest playing pickup basketball with Drake at his mansion one day. Um, and so it's, and it's funny, like, I yeah, love you it. Can laugh. You could laugh, but, <laughs> um, but when I say like, feel it, like I imagine what, you know, like I imagine myself running up and down the court. I imagine what it's going to sound like. I imagine what it's going to be like the first time I slap him up. I'm going to imagine what it like is looking like walking, you know, around his house being like, holy fuck. Like, why do you have a house so fucking big? Um, <laughs> and then just like, and I'm, I'm like imagining what he's like as a person not on like a what I know about him already but just like is he like is he a nice guy da, 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 da. and I think that like when you do that you kind of tie your imagination and your emotions to it and I think that's when you kind of really start to believe it's going to happen because you feel it if that makes sense yeah yeah no I totally agree now um you know getting back to like the business uh side of things was what are some things, because I just have some questions on that for you, like, what are some of the unknown struggles of being your own boss? Oh, good question. Uh, let's see, struggles. Um, okay, so probably the hardest one for me is staying positive and, and happy which okay so like I actually am always a happy person like you're really not I was about to say (laughs) like you're really not going to catch me in a bad mood but like you got to work extra hard at it because you know they talk about the roller coaster of being an entrepreneur like that's no joke it's a freaking roller coaster like one minute it'll be like oh you got 10 new five-star reviews and you're just like so happy and then the next minute one person wants to cancel their monthly membership and I'll be like I'll catch myself in a bad mood and I'll be like, wait, why am I in a bad mood right now? And I'll literally be like, oh yeah, that one person out of our 70 monthly subscribers wanted to cancel their subscription because there's a pandemic and they don't have any money just like everyone else. Like, why am I upset right now? So mm-hmm. I think like the hardest part is like pushing through this this roller coaster and reminding yourself that like, it's just one small thing and it's it's in the scheme of things. 
the, you know, the negatives always seem louder than the, the positives, but um, you know, you always have to show up really positively for your team too, which can be hard sometimes, you know, when, when things seem like they're not going right. And then you have a meeting with your team, like Mm -hmm. you you can be real with them to an extent, but mostly you got to be freaking positive and you're going to be like, Oh shit's great. This is awesome. Everything's amazing. We're we're crushing it. <laughs> um, <laughs> you like you can't let them know that you're feeling like down or not confident or doubtful of anything because then they're going to feel that way and it's going to bring them way more down than it's even bringing me down. Um so that's definitely like a struggle every day. It's like you got to show up and you got to be like, "Ah, Breed Base is the shit. Like this is great." Like we got this really shitty review. Like, okay, I'm saying that like it doesn't happen all the time, but like, of course we get. <laughs> we've had thousands of appointments. Like, of course we've gotten a couple bad reviews. Um, but I can't, I can't like let them affect me. It gets tough for sure. Yeah. And what is like, uh, how do I want to ask this? How, what is what is your day to day like? Like, what is your schedule look like? Because I've had I've had buddies of mine that you know. I was actually talking to my buddy Joe today, um, the one that is, he's moving in, he just moved to New York City because he's going to be, uh, he got a really good job. I can't say exactly what his job is because he asked me not to, but, um, and we were talking, trying, you know, we were talking about, he was asking me how real estate's going and stuff. And then he said to me, he was just like, you know, I commend you for doing what you're doing because I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be able to do that. He goes, obviously I would be able to do it, but I wouldn't, I, I don't have, I don't have the vision for it per se of like, cause he said, he's like, you're working every day, aren't you? And I'm like, yeah. And I'm like the bulk of my work, uh, like obviously the growing, the business part comes during the week, the Monday through Friday, but the bulk of like the actual work that you set up for yourself is on the weekends. So you, you know, you're working seven days a week, damn near, and there really is no days off. So I think that for a lot of people that have business ideas, um, that idea of never getting a break and, it never, you know, it just being 24 seven really intimidates a lot of people. Um, but obviously you love it. I love what I do, but what in a way is like, kind of like your day to day, because I feel as though a lot of people think, you know, being a business owner, like you are and having a successful business, like you do, it's, it's, everything's easy. It's just like, Oh, you're just making money nonstop. You get to go travel when you want, you can show when you want. And you, your employees are essentially running the business, which mean you both know mm-hmm. that to a certain extent, that's nowhere near the truth. So like on your end, since we're in different industries, what does your day-to-day look like as a CEO? Yeah. Yeah. There's so much there. I mean, first of all, like not rolling in the dough, like, like the, my, <laughs> my day-to-day motivation is not coming from the money. It does come from, you know, there's definitely this idea that one day there'll be a lot of money in braid babes. But right now, every every penny goes back into the business for us to keep scaling and growing it. Um, so that definitely makes it tough. Like I work all day, every day. And then at the end of the day, I, I have like the smallest paycheck in the, out of the whole company. Like there's a lot of braiders that make a lot more money than I do. Uh, but, uh, you know, that's also with the, a huge potential payout down the road for, for founding the company. Uh, so my days are actually changing right now. Um, the, the last, the first two and a half years were really, uh, well, okay. So year one was me braiding. And then like, maybe I had some time on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday to get some like computer work done to like build the business. But I was out there, I was braiding. I was doing like 65 hours a week of braid appointments. Uh, year two, I, I stopped braiding after, after COVID, 
after the first, you know, shutdown, I took myself off the schedule. And so year two, I was behind the computer building the business. Um, just computer, 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 computer. Year three is now actually changing again just now. And it's switching to, um, I'm, I'm kind of becoming a conductor, which mm-hmm. is fun, but it's, it's a lot of strategy. So like, it's not that fun. Um, so it's fun because I have a team under me now. And so it's not me doing every single project. I can start delegating and I can watch these projects happen much quicker than if it was just me doing them, which is a lot of fun. Uh, so, so my day's a little different now. Um, you know, I start working at like 7 a.m. and then I'm done working by like 6 p.m. lately, which is really cool because, um, you know, year one and year two, I definitely worked until 11 o'clock at night or midnight or sometimes pulled an all-nighter all the time. Mm-hmm. So this year... This year, it's a lot more strategy and a lot more decisions. Like my whole day now is just decision, 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 because I'm just, you know, delegating to the teams and to the people to do certain things. Um, I definitely still have some project work, but mostly delegating and a full day of delegating and decisions and strategy, your brain, like, there's just no way I could go until 11 or 12. (laughs) Like, like my poor brain is just, just spent. It's, it's a lot more like, it's higher stress. It's more like the CEO role where like, I'm now like strategy and decisions and hiring the key roles. Um, so my day is just a little bit different now. I have a lot more meetings. My whole days are meetings with the team, with different team members, getting different projects forward. And then also mm-hmm. my day is a lot of like networking with Buffalo, Rochester, and Nashville to like keep those cities moving forward. And then also now it's a lot more travel. Like um, next week I'm going back to Buffalo to go pick up a big order of all of the braider supplies because we're hiring 10 more braiders in Nashville. So I have to bring that back to Nashville. Uh, and then in the next two weeks, I'm going to Austin and Dallas and Houston to scope out Texas and decide which city we're going to next. So I'm not so much just behind the computer all day anymore. Now it's a lot more like meetings and networking and, uh, that kind of stuff. And then I'll throw in there too. I, I take naps <laughs> when, when I get like stressed out and overworked and there's just too many decisions to be made. I'll take like an hour. I love naps and they're like the one thing that gets me through being an entrepreneur. So like middle of the day, I'll take a nap if I have a break between meetings. And then that's like what keeps me from getting burnt out. Honestly, I can like keep going for weeks just because I take my little daily naps. <laughs> Oh, I'm, I'm the exact same way. And it's funny because how you were talking about, like, you don't say things to your family. I say everything to my family. And the uh, last week, my aunt called me and she was like, what are you doing? Why do you miss my call? You can't be that busy, like joking around. And I was like, I was taking a nap. She goes, a nap? It's one thirty, And I go, yeah, so what? She goes, uh, your life is so hard. I'm like, no, but like, hey, naps are essential. So like, I'm right there with you with that. Um <laughs> But uh, where do you get – and this is the other thing I wanted to ask you. You never played – I'm not saying this in a bad way, but I know, like you said, in college you didn't play sports or anything like that. So where do you get your work ethic from, and who – is there anyone, whether it is you know in braiding, outside of braiding, just anyone in general, um, who inspires you to – the days that you are like, fuck this. I, I, I don't feel like doing anything. I'm just going to close. I just going to close my laptop and not do anything all day, even though you can't do that. Who is like someone or something that you think of that inspires you to keep going? Okay. I love this. So yeah, you're right. I, I didn't play 
um any sports wait I forgot the first part of the question that had to do with sports <laughs> and I was no I was just oh, like so basically yeah so yeah, not even no not motivation <laughs> I hate that shit motivation's fake but um it's fake news but uh, no so what I was getting at was that for me when I played uh college lacrosse it I was it was easy to translate um like Kobe Bryant I, I'll Kobe Bryant said it best. He said that if you know what excellence looks like in a sport and you're able to get good at that sport, you can translate that process and that framework of that process to what you want to do in life and in business. It's the same thing, but it might have different things. So like Kobe said, yeah, you might not be able to go watch film on a business, but what you can do is you can have coffee meetings and you can go um, like you did. You went and you're going to Texas to scope out and do the groundwork. That is essentially... In, in my eyes, like you watching film on an opponent, you know what I mean? Like you're preparing and you're seeing what you need to do to get into that market. No different than an athlete would prepare for film to see what that opponent's going to do so they can win the game. Or at least that's how it makes sense in my eyes. So for me, playing college of the cross, we had 5am conditioning and then we had class at eight and then we would have individuals and then we would have film and you got to head to the trainer to, you know, make sure you get all your bumps and bruises taken care of. And then you had practice and then you had film again. And then on top of that, you got to find a way to be, take care of your schoolwork. So for me with, you know, the podcasting and the real estate and people hit me up all the time that I'm friends with and are like, dude, I love how hard you work. And it's just like, well, to me, it's not really like working hard because I enjoy it. So it's not like I'm being forced to do something I don't like. And on top of it, I structure it in a way where I'm just following a schedule because when I was playing lacrosse, it was the same way. So how I was presenting the question to you was you didn't play sports in college. So you didn't have that structure and that routine and that process. So where do you get your work ethic from for uh, your business and the days that you really don't feel like doing shit, where do you draw the inspiration from of like, okay, I'm going to keep pushing forward. Okay, cool. Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, I think the, the work ethic's been in my blood since I was little, like, um, you know, I, I was always like daddy, like daddy's princess, daddy's little girl. And so like, I don't know, my brother would get punished a lot because he, I don't, I don't know if that's a conversation for another day, but basically he didn't have the work ethic or the motivation similar. And so he'd be getting in trouble. And my dad would tell him like, Oh, I'd like do 20 pushups. Like that was his punishment. And I would like go over and I would do 20 pushups also just because I was like, well, I want to work out. Like, so like, it's just funny. Like I just, since I was a little girl, it was always like, what else can I be doing right now to better myself? And I've almost had that obsession, like always. Um, and so even like when I was in high school, I was doing gymnastics, National Honor Society, cheerleading. I was obsessive about gymnastics. Like it was my whole life. Um, so yeah, I didn't find the right sport in college because gymnastics is really hard on your body. Um, but I did take that work ethic and I put it into, um, you know, doing really well in my math degree and, you know, my, my internship. So I have kind of always had like this, this weird work ethic that I don't know, I don't want to say you either have it or you don't, but that's kind of how I feel about it. And then uh, as far as like the days that I work where maybe I'm not fully feeling up to it, I'm, I'm learning something really important in business. A lot of people, they have this business idea and they start it and then they kind of find like their, their right hand man, like they're like, they find their like Robin hood. Mm -hmm. And so I have this idea 
Wait, do and you I mean, mean Rob? Do you mean Robin to Batman, or do you mean like Robin Hood? The Robin, yeah, I thought it was <laughs> oh, okay. Robin to Batman. I thought or, I had it backwards. We, Is yeah, it? No, and, now I'm all confused. Okay, so yeah, so you're 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 Robin. You're Robin to your Batman. I don't fucking Batman. know. Where, you said Robin Hood, so I'm thinking the investing app, or I'm thinking the dude that steals from the rich who gives to the poor. <laughs> right, right. Okay, hang on. Yeah, now I'm all confused. Which one? So Batman, it's just Robin, Batman, and Robin. Okay, yeah, Robin. Yes. Okay. So you gotta find you gotta find <laughs> every like founder finds their Robin is how I feel about it. And now there's probably founders that that don't, but that's like your that's like your sidekick. And the sidekick I honestly think is more important than the founder. And it's something I've been talking about a lot lately because the founder has this idea and that's cool, but like it's not cool until they have a follower. Like, it's not cool until one other person, like, there's that viral video online where, like, this one crazy guy is just dancing, like, crazy, and everyone's just looking at him, and then one person joins that guy that's dancing, and now the whole crowd starts dancing, because now, because that one person followed, now everyone else feels comfortable following and dancing. So, so my, my Robin um, is, is Tori, the, the braider I mentioned earlier. She was our, our second hire. Uh, and mm-hmm. now she, you know, she's the second highest up in the company right now past myself. And so she's helped me build this whole business. And I just can't stress enough that if you find your Robin, like that's so important to your business and do whatever you can to keep that person happy and keep them around. Um, so basically Tori shows up every single day. She shows up early. She wakes up early and she's got a freaking smile on her face. I literally had a talk with her the other day and I was like, okay, listen, like, some days I wake up and like my back hurts or like I have my period or I have a really bad freaking headache and I'm just not feeling it or I'm running late because I just moved and blah, 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 and blah, blah, blah. But this girl shows up on time every single day with a smile. I'm like, girl, how are you? How are you never in pain? How are you never having a bad day? And she goes, I don't know. I just don't like, so honestly, it's, it's Tori. She keeps me like feeling positive. And even when things like aren't going wrong, aren't going right with braid babes, like when COVID hit and, you know, we had to shut down the whole business and we had no money. We had to refund tons of people. Um, she's still smiling and like helping me through it. So mm-hmm. I really think like finding your Robin, if you're going to, you know, be a founder of a business is so important and you just have to like really value that person. Yeah. And kind of going back to what you're saying about um, the work ethic part before we kind of wrap it up here is about how you said you kind of feel as though you have it or you don't. Um, what is your take on for people that have it, but they don't utilize it? So like what I mean by that is like for me, I've always had it. But at the same time, I have let my priorities get get out of whack, which has allowed me to at certain times become lazy and be complacent and stuff like that. So do you think that the people that do that kind of like me, do you think that they don't really have it? They just lie to themselves and say they do? Or like, what is your <laughs> take on that? And like, what I, to, to further expand is like, um, like when I transferred to Mercyhurst and I was playing lacrosse at Mercyhurst and I transferred from a division one school, I, when I, and it had nothing to do with, you know, the kids not being good or anything like that. Cause Mercyhurst is a, uh, is a powerhouse for division two, but it was a little bit slower of a game kids weren't as fast kids weren't as strong and when I was at Mercyhurst and Mercyhurst is a party school in it of that it's just it's not a real place <laughs> it's so crazy is that I was like wow I'm in college 
um, there's really no money in pro lacrosse compared to like NFL or anything like that. So yeah, lacrosse is fun and stuff, but I'm not putting in those extra reps because I, I don't necessarily need to because I came from, you know, a higher program to begin with. I want to focus on partying and living it up while I have these years left. And that actually became a detriment to me and kind of led to me getting kicked off the team. So I look at that as like, a, OK, it's not about the work ethic. It's more so I had my priorities out of whack and it didn't allow me to excel. So what is your take on what I said? Yeah. Yeah. I think it's like kind of that whole idea of loving what you're doing or feeling passionate about it. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause yeah, I've definitely been there. So like uh, whenever I decided not to move forward with the dog cafe with teapots, mm-hmm. I, I watched every season of Grey's Anatomy and like, I don't know if you understand like how much time that is. Like that was months of my time that mm-hmm. I spent watching Grey's Anatomy. Um and so, like, I just, like, literally, like, laid in my bed and, like, watched Grey's Night. I felt, like, depressed because I wasn't, like, working towards something bigger. So, I think a big part of it is, like, if you if you are someone that's motivated to do more, then, yeah, you also have to find, like, something you care about. It doesn't mean you're going to work hard at everything you do. Like, I have a hard work ethic, but when I was at Soho or there was another salon I worked at, my priorities were elsewhere. Like I didn't work hard at those jobs because I knew that those jobs weren't, weren't my goal. Braid babes was my goal. And so I had my work ethic in braid babes, but not these. So like when you were in that other lacrosse team, you didn't feel proud or excited about that lacrosse team. So you didn't work hard on that lacrosse team. I, so I think, you know, a huge part of it is finding something that you're passionate about to work towards. Yeah. And it wasn't more so I wasn't proud because like I I love all those guys like brothers and it was a great fucking time. It was just more so of like I looked at it from the aspect of like, okay, this really isn't going to go anywhere. Or even if it does, there's not that much money into it. So it's like I I'm going to look back and be like, okay. I remember all those parties and I remember all those funny moments and I remember all those times, but like, I was just like, yeah, I don't necessarily, you know, I don't, I'm not going to put in the extra reps, which it it sounds like I was a shitbag teammate. I wasn't a shitbag teammate at all, but it was just more so of like, I prioritized the fun over the actual work. And that ultimately, you know, led me to not playing at certain times, getting suspended at certain times, and then eventually getting kicked off the team. So like, I'm always curious, you know, for someone that is a go-getter and hustles like you do, what your whole take is on, because it's not that I didn't love it. It was just more so of like, I looked at it from the perspective of, of like, okay, I could always play pickup after, after college is over and stuff like that. But it's like, I am not going to get these precious years of, of what college is if, in a sense. So I was like, you know what, I'm going to go all in on the partying and having fun. And, you know, <laughs> that's what I was going to say. Second. Yeah. You, you were, you did have work ethic. It just was towards partying. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I'm always curious because it's just like, um, I'm always curious because it's like, yeah like for someone not that someone would but like for me it's just like I didn't I didn't have that I stopped putting that work ethic towards lacrosse and I put it towards the partying but it's more so of like okay well it should have been the reverse it should have been the partying should have came later and the work ethic towards the cross should have been first uh I mean yeah but also like you only live once <laughs> exactly that's how that's how i was kind of looking at it but but yeah then that's like how, exactly what i was thinking but um did you uh you know before we wrap it up here did you did you have and this is kind of like completely off topic of what we we're talking about but did you have any 
I know you traveled a decent amount, but have you had any travel experiences that have kind of helped you learn more about like who you are as a person oh, and slash or have you had travel experiences that when you came back to work, you've been able to draw on that experience and it's helped you with your business, if that makes sense? Oh, yeah. Good question. Um, I will say like last year I went to Tulum and it was it was really good to not have phone service. Like I think if you if you get away from your business, it's really important to be fully 100 percent away from it and allow it to operate without you because it's going to going to teach your team a lot and it's going to show that you trust them as well to handle things and then also it can give you that mental you know release of I you're not thinking about it and so naturally different ideas of how your business could work will will flow to you but also on that note like I actually am not well traveled and so it's so funny because I have to I've been researching you know what cities to to launch brave babes in next and I haven't been to any of the cities, so I'm kind of like traveling to the cities before I'm launching the cities. So, you know, um, I don't have a lot of travel experience, but maybe maybe someday I will. Yeah. Now, and one, one more question about your business before we kind of wrap it up here is how, in your opinion, how do you – how did you get your girls or get your employees to buy into the vision that you have? Because I know that's one of the hardest things with growing a business is being able to get people to buy into what the vision is and what the culture of the, the business is. Um, yeah, I mean, one big thing that I've done from day one is just talk about the, the culture and the vision and the values. Mm-hmm. Um, we've just always talked about being supportive of women and empowering to women. And uh, we've we even like now on our Monday morning, we have meetings Monday through Friday in the morning, just the whole team just to get together. Um, and on Mondays, we go through and we give an example of each of our values. So I think like consistently reminding them of like what we what we stand for. And then also, I think just being like, super real, like, mm-hmm. like, there's that fine line, like earlier, I said, you have to like, show up and be happy and not let them see that like you're thinking negatively but you also like have to show your vulnerabilities so I just think the biggest thing I've done from the beginning is like I said earlier I just tell them like look I've I've never done this before if something doesn't seem right to you like just say it to me because it's probably I'm not seeing it from your angle and I Uh think just like that vulnerability with them and then the other thing I tell them all the time is just how much like braid babes is my whole entire life and then I think when they also find out that like, I'm not making millions of dollars, you know what I mean? Like I'm right here with yeah. you making the same money that you're making and I'm devoted to making this business uh, huge. And that's all I care about is making the business huge. Um, then I think they, they get it and they see where my decisions come from. Cause saying like, Oh, all I care about is the business being huge. Like of, care, of course I care about people too. But when I tell yeah. them that like, all I care about is this business being huge. It lets them know that like when I'm making decisions, it's not personal. It's not against them. It's yeah. this is what's going to make sense to make sure that Brave Babes can keep growing and scaling. And so I think them knowing my vulnerabilities and also my intentions, I think keep them like on my side and kind of like understanding my, my decisions as we grow. And have you found that to be uh, beneficial? As dumb as that may sound. Um, yeah, yeah, uh, 
so far, it seems like the employees are, I don't want to say like we're all friends because we, it's not like that. Like we also keep a fine line where we're not like all each other's best friends. Um, at least yeah. on the internal, like all of the braiders are best friends. But when it comes to like our internal, like headquarters team, um, we're not all best friends because that just becomes too much to juggle, like a really strong friendship mixed with a really strong business relationship. So we mm. we all like really like each other and we're all, we all really get along and really care about each other. Um, but we kind of like leave it at that. And what I will say is like, I definitely have the support of the team behind my decisions and they also feel strong enough to, to tell me when they think I'm not making the right decision, which I also really value that. Of course. Yeah. I mean, you kind of got to have that. Um, yeah. Now, one last question I ask everyone this kind of to end the podcast is if you could go back in time. Well, no, you can't go back in time. I take, I fucked that up. If, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I also swear a lot, but whatever. It's how I talk. <laughs> um, so if you could meet your younger self, if you could meet younger Emily, the oldest you are is 18 years old, and you could talk to her about things, things you've experienced in life, the good, the bad, the ugly, what, um, what would you tell your younger self about life? And what would you tell your younger self to carry with you going forward in life? Yeah, um, I think the, the biggest thing like to carry forward is to just just not give up like those hopes and dreams Mm -hmm. like that like your life can change at any moment uh in in any direction so like don't give up I think like when I felt defeated at my nine to five thinking like that's just what my whole life was going to be forever I think I just feel like I wish I had someone telling me like hey like you're in a nine to five right now that doesn't mean like this is your path forever Um, so I think, I think that's my, my biggest one. Um, because like some people don't start their businesses until they become a parent. Like there's so many mothers that came up with a new product when they had their child. And now all of a sudden, you know, they have their idea and their life's purpose. And it wasn't until they literally had a child that made Mm -hmm. them think of that new product idea for their child. Um, so I think that's the biggest one is like, just because you're where you are right now doesn't mean that's where you're going to be forever until you retire. Like Mm -hmm. you can, you can decide to change it or life may even change it for you. I love that now. And is there anything else that you would add to actually, no, I take that back. I shouldn't say it that way. Um, Last question. If someone came up to you and said, Hey, Emily, like I want to be my own boss. I want to start my own company. Um, but I know what I want to do. I just don't know how to get it off the ground besides, you know, surrounding yourself with like-minded people and getting mentors. Would you have any other advice for whoever that person may be? Oh, oh. I think the other one is, you know, listening to podcasts and Googling and researching, you know, there's so many good podcasts and books out there that can also help like, motivate you and teach you your next steps on like how to how to build a business so I think that's like that's like the other thing and then a big part too is like switching your life from a super cushy comfy job to starting a company is like you're probably gonna have to make some life changes so I think like just get comfortable with change and get comfortable with like lowering your lifestyle if if that's what it if that's what it means I mean you know I went from making a lot of money to like really struggling to buy dog food and 
emptying out my 401k so that I could start the business. But I had that vision and that idea. And sometimes you have to be ready to make that risk. So I think um, being ready to make the risk, make the jump and listen to the podcasts and the books. (laughs) Absolutely. Well, I don't have anything else for you. So I, uh, I appreciate you doing this. Cool. Yeah, I had fun. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So, I mean, I'll definitely have you on again. Um, We'll talk about some other things, but for now, I, like I said, I know how busy you are because I reached out to you months ago and you're like, yeah, just hit me sometime in May because until then I'm booked (laughs) up. (laughs) So um, I greatly appreciate this. And next time I see you, we'll have to grab coffee or something like that on me. But um, again, thank you for doing this. And I, I think I'm going to see you on the cover of Forbes one day. What do we think? No? Yes? <laughs> oh, God, what a dream that would be. That would be. Yeah, I hope so. That's my that's my goal with the business at this point is like, go national, take it huge, you know? Damn. Well, hey, just you remember us little people when that happens. <laughs> <laughs> Totally. <laughs> Love Buffalo. Right. I'll always, Buffalo will always be my home. Yeah, of course. So, well, thank you again, and uh, I'll talk to you soon. All right. Thanks, John. Bye.